Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 31 of the Early Parenting Podcast. In today's episode, I had the chance to talk to the amazing Beck Ford from Soulful Nutritionist. Now, Beck is a clinical nutritionist. She's also a PT, and she's also a mother of a beautiful boy named Kai. In the episode today, we're talking about the impact of food on behavior. Beck goes into the effects of how food can both improve and hinder our baby and toddler's behavior, and we cover the foods that you should enjoy and the foods that you should avoid to help balance your toddler's behavior and mood. Super excited to bring you this interview. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Early Parenting Podcast, where we help you navigate the somewhat tricky world of parenthood so you can love the crap out of being a mama. I'm your host, Jen Butler, and I'm an early parenting consultant and a mama of two busy, busy boys. Join me as I explore all things early parenting and deliver them to you in toddler-friendly, bite-sized lessons. Because let's be honest, your toddler is probably smothering pseudo-cream on the wall as we speak. I'll be dropping my hottest tips on baby and toddler sleep, feeding, boobs, behavior, and so much more. Are you ready to feel confident in motherhood? Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by my famous free clean sleeping guide. This guide has helped countless families in getting the foundations of baby and toddler sleep in place so you can help your babe get the sleep they need to thrive. You can download this guide for free from my website www.jenniferbutler.com.au forward slash clean dash sleeping dash guide. Hello, Beck. Welcome to the Early Parenting Podcast. I'm very thrilled to have you here. Oh, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here too. A bit nervous, but excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's very exciting, isn't it? Yes. I, I just um, off air, we just having a quick chat about the benefit of having this discussion today, which we'll be talking about. And, you know, I think that everyone is just going to love what you have to say. So before we dive into all of that fabulous information, can you give us a little bit of information on who you are, what you've started, a bit about your family, anything you want to share? I have owned my own personal training and nutrition business for the past eight years, but then I got surprised pregnant with my little boy. <laughs> Welcome to the world, which threw a beautiful spanner in the works. And from then I was like, I thought, yeah, I'll return back to my business in about three months post Kai. And, you know, everything would just run really smoothly. I would go back to face-to-face clients, but it kind of just didn't happen that way. I think within 10 months, I returned to part-time work, but I was just really lost trying to find my feet. And that's when I decided to kind of open the Soulful Nutritionist and delve into the online world, which I'm still very new to, you know, learning about that. But my passion is definitely nutrition and trying to help families, women in particular, to, you know, understand their relationship with food better, understand how to support their bodies better and their families better. And yeah, that's pretty much me. I have a husband who I just, you know, boss around. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) (laughs) But no, he's great and he's really supportive of me. Um, 
you know, trying this new little side job, I suppose, and allowing me to be a mum at home as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and I have an 18-month-old. <laughs> yeah, 18 months. Kai is now, wow. Yes, time they're flies. 18 months. Yeah, it's a fun age, isn't it? Like they're, they're still babies but they're really starting to want to show their independence and do all of those things. Yes, way too much. I'm like, bring back the blob. Like where's my little blob gone? <laughs> you actually don't realise that, you know, it's not until you sort of travel through the ages that you, like retrospect's a beautiful thing that you actually look back and go, oh, my gosh, when they were just sitting there doing nothing, my God, things were easier. Like, of course, there's other challenges, but oh, in terms of busyness, it's like nothing else, is it? <laughs> you know, now Kai won't even sit in the pram. It's like he has to walk and I'm like, there's a road, <laughs> there's cars, but it's okay. You have to stop. It's not <laughs> yeah, safe. <laughs> you have to stop and he's like whacking my hand away, but that's okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So tell me, with the, you obviously started the Soulful Nutritionist because of your wanting to sort of go in more of that online because it suited motherhood a little bit more. Is that what was the overarching goal? Definitely. Like I found I returned to work part-time after Kite 10 months, but I was struggling with these early mornings when I hardly slept with Kai, which, you know, probably need your help for that one. <laughs> and I was just like struggling to um, keep up and I felt like no one was getting the best of me Kai wasn't getting the best of me and that was really hard for me to handle I'm kind of an all-or-nothing person and to kind of feel like I wasn't giving my best to him and I was just wanting him to go on his nap because I needed a nap I was just like this is not how I want to be a mother this is just not working for me so that's when I was like right let's see other opportunities and I'm truly grateful for it. It's been really good learning experience for me and yeah, is broadening my horizons with what I can do for work and yeah, who I can meet, you know, like doing this right now, I never would have imagined. <laughs> and I talk about this from both a business perspective, but also with the other mums I get to connect with. The world of the online web has just opened us up to this ability to create relationships with people everywhere and I love that about like I have lots of hates about social media but I have so many loves about it as well <laughs> don't we all like we all know that when we're bloody stuck with our heads in the phone we're like oh my god like I need to just start to step away from this a bit more but at the same time geez it opens our world so when you started the soulful nutritionist were you thinking that you still wanted to target the same group of people or since becoming a mum did it start to open up your horizons you know, about who you wanted to target? Yeah, I think I've always had an interest in more women, girls, but I think I never really understood mothers until I became a mother. And you just, before I was a mother, I was like, why don't these women make time for themselves? Like, what's wrong with them? <laughs> I was like, so naive. And I was like, you know, why don't they do something for themselves? Why don't they, you know, like they're always whinging. They never have time and they're so tired. And I'm like, and now I'm a mother and I'm like, I feel so bad for thinking those things because, you know, it is hard. It is the toughest gig there is. The most rewarding, but the toughest. I love that. I love that retrospect because that, we have all done it. We have all gone into motherhood thinking like so much okay so recently this is like a total side note to something though that I used to judge the crap 
out of mums who had babies on leads, you know, those like, you know, backpacks and they'd have that little lead. And I would be like, oh, my God, they're not dogs. That is like ridiculous. And then I had Ted and I was like, can someone please get me a dog lead? Like I don't even care if it's a child-related one. I will put a dog lead on my child because (laughs) I get it. I I haven't done it yet, I will say as a side note, but I 100% understand it. Like becoming a mum just makes all that judgment that you had. But you know what? Also, it's actually okay to have those pre, you know, you sort of think you're going to do things a certain way. But I think at least when you can reflect on it and go, all right, I, I get it now, then I think that shows growth, doesn't it? Personal yeah, growth. Yeah, it is good. <laughs> and I feel like I'm a lot more understanding of how we can work it into families or how we can, you know, make meals times easier and fun and it still work for families, you know, whereas before I was like, just had no idea. So yeah, it's changed my market a bit with my business. Yeah. And the beauty about it is, is that I could imagine that yes, you're still working with women and a lot of these women are mums and a part of, even though when we are time poor, we're exhausted and we've got so many things that we're juggling, to look after yourself is actually so damn important because it's what then shapes your ability to like yes you might be tired but you're going to be a hell of a lot more tired if your nutrition isn't as it should be and all of those things so you know it's it's this messaging for you it's no doubt still there but it's just yeah about creating it in a way too it's also family friendly I guess yeah exactly definitely well today what we wanted to talk about a lot because this is certainly something that sparks my interest because especially I have seen the impact with the boys of what good nutrition looks like and how it impacts baby and toddler behavior and mood and things like that. Because I know, I mean, I'm sure we'll be able to talk and share a few stories about both the good and the bad, I guess. And I talk a lot about the impact of food on the quality of sleep. So that's actually something I focus on as part of one of my packages, my deep dive package, where we sort of go fully into everything that impacts sleep because there's so much. I want to hear it from you, girlfriend. I want to know about, you know, what your thoughts are around the impact of food and baby and toddler behavior and mood. I want to say that every child is different. So there is not going to be a one diet or a particular foods that you are definitely knocked out or anything like that. It's every child is different and we have different digestive systems. So that in itself is a little bit challenging for parents and it's you being aware of that and seeing what your child responds really well to and what they respond pretty bad to. It's still hard though because you're like, well, I have to observe my child every time they eat something. Like that makes it really challenging. But I would say that each child has like different sensitivities and things that will impact their behavior and mood more strongly than others. And it's also really important to understand like if you have a certain food that you're intolerant to, For example, I'm celiac, so I was really wanting to watch Kai's reaction when I introduced wheat and saw how that would impact not only his mood but how, you know, he felt, whether he started feeling sick because all those things would be causing irritation or inflammation within his body and I didn't want that to obviously occur but I didn't want to just remove it straight out because wheat, things with grains in it can be really good for you as well. Very interesting you say that because this is something I talk about with families around sleep is exactly what you're saying and there's this huge misconception out there. Like as a maternal and child health nurse, I've always done the solids talk and there's always been such a focus on allergy. 
like of course this is what we need to look out for is the signs of allergies you know the things like the skin rashes like maybe the more severe things difficulty breathing vodka i just said vodka not please don't give your child vodka <laughs> vomiting is what i was trying to get out yeah. <laughs> vomiting diarrhea all those things but the less spoken about things is the sensitivities and how that then goes on to impact their behavior so like the example I use, which is, you know, exactly what you're referring to, is that Max, around the age of 12 months, we'd put him to bed at, like it would be at night time, and then every now and then he'd have these really bad nights and we were like, what's going on? Like it was just out of the blue, kind of no rhyme or reason to it until we figured out that we started to look at his diet. And what it was was if he had tomato too close to bedtime, it was far too acidic for him yeah. when he went to sleep now this kid eats cherry tomatoes by the punnet now he was never allergic it wasn't like he had skin rashes or anything but obviously in that time of his life he was just sensitive and it impacted his behavior in in the world of it impacted his sleep quality do you find it still impacts it now no, totally fine. And and it never bothered Ted. So I totally understand with what you're saying is that it's so individual to a child and what happens for one child necessarily doesn't happen for the other. Yeah. Because, you know, as mothers, we love to overshare. We love to go, all I had to do was remove tomatoes and they'll sleep perfectly, you know. <laughs> you know, and then every every mother's, you know, taking tomatoes out of their kids' diets, whereas you know, each child is going to have different things that really um, impact their sleep or behaviour or mood or whatever it is. Yeah, that's right. Like it was never an issue with Ted. Was with Kai, was he celiac? No, he seems okay at the moment. We don't have it often, but when I first introduced it, I was really trying to pay attention to like stomach aches so that he was waking up constantly after those meals, whether it was just irritating him. But so far, it seems like he is fine at the moment. And when it comes with introducing solids, what is your suggestion in terms of offering food? Do you like families to be offering foods one food at a time so it's more obvious if these sensitivities or allergies arise? Yeah, so obviously I'm a first-time parent, so I chose to do it one at a time and just to see how Kai responded with each food. But I can understand that for some people that just sounds really hard to do, you know, like whereas for me, I suppose being a nutritionist, I really wanted to make sure that I knew what it was. There was one time because we started travelling, we travelled I think about two weeks after he had started solids and I had just bought some of like the organic, you know, mixed packet things just to take with us as a backup and I'd given him one and he responded really badly to one of them and I thought it's interesting because now I have no idea like what fruit it was I think it was like you know pear apple and mango or something but I have no idea and I introduced each one individually and he was fine so it was like that all of those together that interaction or whether it was just how it had been processed wasn't good for him I personally did one by one, um, but yeah, I can't. The next one, I might be a bit more relaxed. I don't know. <laughs> what did you do? Yeah, it's funny that you say that. So my advice in terms of it depends which way you want to look at things. Because I remember working as a maternal and child health nurse, I used to say, look, the likelihood of them being allergic or sensitive to a fruit or vegetable is very unlikely. Until though, then Max had that sensitivity, and I thought, look. 
you know, you do not have to necessarily go one thing at a time when it comes to fruit and vegetables. But if you notice some sort of reaction, then whatever was in that meal, it might be good to pick apart. Exactly what you did is to go, all right, so we had a combination of mango, pear and apple. Let's do these individually, which, by the way, so interesting you say that about that package because the only time Ted ever had a major sensitivity reaction was when I gave him a packaged food. Yeah. And I know so much, like I have no issues with the packaged foods, but if your baby responds to something in it, it could be the preservatives and everything that's, you know, that's actually in there, whether it's actually the fruit. Like it was a clean one. Like I'm like, it was like organic and whatever. And I was like, oh, it should be fine. And then next minute he's reacting to it. And I'm like, are they telling us the truth? But anyway. Well, you know what I think? For all those foods to be sitting out on the shelf, unrefrigerated, what the heck's in them? And that's not, you know, like they're so good to be out and about and if your baby's fine in them, but it's just some babies will respond to preservatives and things that are in the food. So at the end of the day, what we're all talking about here is that every child is going to be different. So just keeping an eye on what they tolerate and if there is something that they react to, like if you think that their mood changes, their sleep's impacted, their behaviour changes, it's looking at picking apart maybe what was in that meal so that you're better able to get to the bottom of what's going on. Yeah, no, definitely. There was probably five things that I thought we should be more aware of, I suppose, and that was obviously sugar, common, we know, sugar, synthetic additives, colours and preservatives. So as you just mentioned before, like the preservatives, wheat, conventional dairy, eggs and obviously nuts as well which you know the last four are really good you know most of them are considered healthy in a a normal diet but it's like they are high allergy foods so we need to you know check our child's response to those foods but I would say that if you do suspect an intolerance to one of those foods that it's really important to see like seek help whether it's a dietitian or a nutritionist just to make sure you're covering those nutritional gaps that could occur from removing one of those food groups yeah that's something that I always recommend to families and usually for me and this is partly because of my own I have the education knowledge to guide but I'm it's not my specialty area to help families with intolerances allergies in exactly what you said, how to fill the nutritional gaps. In my experience too, sometimes there'll be, like I have a friend who had a daughter with a severe cow's milk protein allergy, anaphylactic reaction as a baby. At the age of four now, she's okay, but she needed to be guided by a specialist as to how to reintroduce those proteins and the conventional dairy back into her diet, which is exactly where a nutritionist comes into play. I want to explore a little bit more about the foods that can send our babies and toddlers a little bit haywire. So I want to focus on the sugar and the preservatives and the dyes and the things that you mentioned, the the artificial colours. What do you notice is the impact on children's behaviour mostly? And obviously every baby and toddler is going to be a bit different, but what can you expect to see change in their mood and behaviour? Well, again, every child is different, but you're going to see whether it's like a minor hyperactivity, you know, I think we've all seen our kids at a birthday party or at Easter and they're kind of just getting really heightened emotions. They can't even concentrate on you for one second. You know, you pull them over and you're like, Kai, can you just, you know, listen for a second? And they're just 
their eyes are going. They're like, no, I've got to keep moving. So I think um, it's that minor kind of hyperactivity to that and maybe even complaining of like, you know, stomach ache or cramps or just feeling very irritable because a lot of, you know, obviously Kai, he can't explain to me that he has a tummy ache right now. So if he's, you know, had something that's really irritating him, he's going to be like very cranky and whingy and very like probably try and whack me on the face which he just you know he's just going to get very frustrated because he can't communicate what he is feeling so I would say you know any stomach kind of issues a bit grouchy Two, then that extreme side of it which you're looking more on the like autistic diagnostic kind of criteria whether it's delays in speech repetition of words marked impairment with like non-verbal behaviours or and obviously to extreme hyperactivity where, you know, you've got kids just painting the walls or climbing walls or jumping, you know, thinking they're Superman or whatever it is um, to that really extreme level of behaviour, you know, because obviously we've seen sugar and synthetic food additives have a direct correlation with ADD and ADHD. You know, that's not something that we need to debate. That is a definite. We really shouldn't have these foods in our kids' diet, especially when they're younger and they're still developing, you know. Is it 85% or 80% of our brain gets developed in the first three years of life on the whatever side of it is? You'll have to tell me. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It's the first four years of the um, brain development that most of the neurons are set up for the rest of their lives the it's literally the most important time of development over your whole lifespan like yes and that is at an age where as as a parent we are responsible for the majority of our child's food choices and habits you know unless they're finding a which Kai did today finding some chocolate you know in dad's stash which he left down on the ground then most of the time you're making those decisions for your children you know where either offering them those foods or where they're not having them. So, you know, we have such a big responsibility in those former years, those younger years. Yeah, and that's such an amazing point because it is up to us to be making these good decisions. And you know what? We are the ones that are doing the supermarket shopping at the end of the day. And what it comes down to it, and it's not about, you know, guilt tripping, it's about educating yourself on what are good foods? And we're going to talk a little bit about like what the foods are that we should be aiming for that are good for us at the moment. But it's also about understanding that once you have this knowledge, it is then in your power to mostly make these choices. And, you know, there's going to be times, like as you mentioned, there's Christmas, there's birthday parties, like, but, you know, it's that whole clean eating thing that we, you know, that was, that's been prominent in the last however many years that, 80% of the time, really, we should be making sure that the foods that we are offering are going to be helping these beautiful little brains that are developing in these early years of life. 100%. You know, it's important to note that, say, sugar or um, those additives, they actually impact that mind-gut connection because they're causing an irritable gut. And I think that we always forget about that mind-gut connection a lot. We don't think that, you know, what we're eating is going to impact that those neurotransmitters, sending those messages and those signals up to our mind. You know, their brains are still forming. That's why it's so essential at that, that young age to kind of make sure that they are getting those nutrients. 
I remember, and I'm going to share this story for just the impact of something that I thought was healthy, that I saw a crazy reaction in Max. But what they were were sunrise rice cakes. However, on it was the sour cream and chives-like flavouring. And I literally saw a direct correlation between Max consuming these and his behaviour going next level haywire. Like I've noticed that if they have sugar, they go a little bit crazier, but I'm talking, this was what we were talking about before, where I'm like, who is this child? He's been possessed by the devil. He was like, I've never seen anything like it. And I downloaded or I looked up, you know, the additive alert. Have you heard of that? Yes. So I have that up on my phone and I went through the ingredients one day on this sunrise thing, entered in one of the numbers And it literally said to me something along the lines of do not consume associated with severe hyperactivity, like dot, dot, dot. And I was like, what the hell? Like this is just like readily available for people to eat. And we think like rice cakes, you actually kind of think you're doing the right thing, but it was that it was the crap on it, you know? And I'm sure we all have those sorts of stories where you go, oh, yes, when they had dot, 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 this happened. And if you don't have those stories, this is where it's starting to look at how your child's reacting is how you can start to piece apart things. Definitely. I think as a mother, like, you know, I've never been so rushed in a supermarket before. Like my decision-making has to be fast. So as a mother, we have no time to go, all right, I'm just going to turn over the rice cake ingredients, the sour cream and chives, and look at what's in it. You know, it's really sad that it's just there on the shelves and, you know, not everyone's educated in nutrition. They're making decisions that are really poor and they think their kid, you know, is having behavioural issues and they're, you know, they think they need to put them on medication for something, whereas really it's just the sour cream and chives rice cakes on a daily basis. Exactly. And and this is like this is exactly what you're saying is like and obviously for every child there might be something different, but this is why we're about to explore the foods that we should be eating versus perhaps the ones that we should be avoiding so that we are able to educate my listeners a little like we don't have to have a degree in nutrition to be able to make the best choices. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if we did? But <laughs> yeah. if we just have some basic knowledge about, all right, what are the things that I am going to try and avoid versus what other things that we, you know, should be looking at. So what is your go-to list for foods that we should be trying to fill our children's diet with? Okay. So number one, I would say to steer clear of packaged foods as much as you can because then that's just like a really clear, you know exactly what your kids are getting. So for me, you know, it's fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, um, whole grains, you know, meat, fish. It's very basic and simple foods, which obviously, you know, for mothers are like, well, I need something like quick that I can give them like, you know, snacks of some sort, which yes, you can make them homemade. And there is also some really good, you know, we're lucky in this day and age that more people are becoming more switched on. So we are seeing more foods that are already made that you can kind of grab and then being really clean. But it's just taking the time to do that. You know, I kind of ask James, even if it's once every month, can I just go to the shops by myself and just be able to, you know, get those things where I just need to take a little bit of extra time. You know, they are going to be fine on the shelf as well. So I can kind of let them sit there, but I can take that time to just go, 
no, this has some different numbers on it. I think if it says any different numbers or any words that you can't understand, just straight away, just knock them out. They're just, it's not worth your time. I love that advice. That is, and I remember reading maybe something about that, whether it was to do with the boys or my own health. I remember being told that basically if it's got words that you don't understand or a whole bunch of numbers, it's processed to the crap. Healthy eating is eating more towards its whole state. Yes, definitely. And that's that's as simple as it is. You know, I think as I, you know, I have people, um, you know, direct message me and ask me about their kids or what they should be having and people are like, oh, but they're only allowed two pieces of fruit a day. And I understand that, but I think fruit is the least of our worries. Like if we're worried, don't worry about the fruit. Worry about the rice cakes with the sour cream and chives, you know, flavoring. Bloody rice cakes. Exactly. (laughs) We've nearly been made to fear things that, you know, we really don't need to. Fruit is a whole food. It's got exactly the amount of fiber that we need to digest that sugar, exactly how it needs to be digested. And to not have that spike in our blood sugar levels. I think that's where we get a little bit maybe confused because we have these other messages getting sent to us. I love this. This is just like it's speaking to my soul so much. Oh, I'm glad. (laughs) So then tell me, Beck. tell me a little bit about the day in the life of Kai's eating. So, you know, this is where I think like bringing all of this information to make it as relevant as possible because you mentioned before that sometimes the trickiest part for us as mums, and this is definitely something I've struggled with, is going, all right, I want to limit, you know, the processed food that's in the house. But what are some, like kids love to graze, what are some easy go-to snacks? And just tell us a little bit about the day in the life of what Kai eats. I think that's best. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay, so I want to say that by no means am I perfect. You know, I am a nutritionist and yet I have a child who I'm sure he's like intermittent fasting some days he doesn't want anything that is available that he normally would eat and I want mothers to know that that's okay if our children have these days where he just like consumes everything and then other days where he's like nah not today like I don't want any of that and to just relax about that and understand they are way more intuitive than what we are because they haven't been exposed to all the crap for years that we have and they don't have those kind of emotional connections that we have to food already you know we're eating for our you know stress and for our sadness and for our happiness they are the most intuitive eaters that there is so but a day in the life of Kai he hates sitting down so it's very um grazing which is what you said so but normally um breakfast is normally pretty straightforward we normally start with oats chia and banana because him and dad dad has his porridge as well and this is normally when I've gone out he seems happy still eating that he does have times where he'll go off for it a little bit and then it might be you know I just offering him like a banana or some snacks to kind of graze his way through or I might make banana pancakes like oat and banana pancakes quickly because you know I just it's an egg a banana and oats and he's like fine, <laughs> easy, you know, chuck it in a Nutribullet. But then his snacks, like I always make list balls for our family. So, you know, he might have some cut up list ball or he might have some muffin or, you know, some fruit. So strawberries, he loves fruit. So strawberries, blueberries, bananas, you know, it's his go-to and it's just so easy to take wherever you go and it's perfect the way in whatever form it is. 
his lunch, he normally has whatever we're having. So initially I found it really hard. Like I wanted to, I felt like I wanted to force him to eat certain foods. Like I was like, you need to eat this because it's good for you, you know, and I've had to really just relax. I've told myself that I need to relax and just let him make his decision making. So we try and do it a lot more buffet style. I'll put, you know, a couple of foods that he really likes on the plate. A couple of one food that maybe he's tried before, but he's like, "Mm, I'm not really sure about that one. And another food that he's normally never seen before, but he can try if he wants to. So I always want those kind of a couple of safe options that I know that he's happy with and a couple that he's kind of not as sure about, but he they're there if he wants them to try them, but I'm not the one, you know, with the spoon trying to get his drawer to open. <laughs> I'm just letting him decide it. So, you know, lunch might be, say, scrambled eggs with some avocado and it could be some leftover butter chicken from the night before, it could be some roast and then, say, a snack, it might be a piece of sourdough. So I'm not, you know, we're not against having bread or anything like that. We try and get a really clean bread um, from like either a health food shop if we can or, you know, a good bakery that you know or whatever it is. Obviously, I know, you know, living out in the country, there's not as many options to get, you know, that really good quality produce and stuff. So, yeah, so it might be some sourdough with some butter and honey or even Vegemite. He loves cheese as well, like a cheese toasty. And then dinner is normally like I will load like a veggie, like spaghetti bolognese with lots of veggies. So it's got, you know, kale and carrot and zucchini. And and then he likes butter chicken that I make, which is like a paleo-based one. And then he always has steamed greens at night. So this is just something that we've always gotten in the habit of offering like, say, some steamed spinach. And he's always really loved that. So it's being really good for us yeah and he normally finishes the night with like yogurt with like say banana or oats or lsa or an oat and berry smoothie something like that but normally it's yogurt he seems to like finishing with that one that's actually like one of my favorite go-to snacks for the boys personally is a greek yogurt they love just plain greek yogurt this is where you, we had the choice i have the choice is i could have bought the yo plays that are laden with sugar but I, I knew that they had so much sugar in them, so I opted for a Greek yogurt and I sweeten it with fruit. And they love it. They know, they know nothing else. If you're listening to this and your child's used to having more of the sugary flavourings, then it's even about making a better choice about how you sweeten it, like with fruit or yeah, even fruit a little honey. bit of honey. Yeah. I was going to yeah, say exactly. honey is better because at least you're in control of how much sugar's going into that then. Like, yes. You know? And, you know, that honey, like if you get a raw honey, like it's got plenty of good bacteria and good immune properties. Like it's, you know, it's fine. Obviously you don't want to be having tablespoon after tablespoon of honey but a teaspoon of you know honey on some greek yogurt is completely fine and going to do a lot more good than you know the flavored yogurt but yeah i always find that if kai's been a bit funny about meals like i find a smoothie is a great option for us because i can just put it in his little things and he's like oh yeah like i'm just you know having my drink and he can keep moving around and doing his thing (laughs) i can hide stuff in it yes that's the beauty about it is you can hide so much fruit and veg in a smoothie like my favorite things to add in for a veggie burst is zucchini and baby spinach because you can't taste it 
you actually can't taste either of those vegetables in the smoothie. And so I'm just like, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, but it's great for them. And we, we need to be okay if that's the only way we can get it in and they're not ready to, you know, just have the greens there on the plate. We need to be okay to just be able to hide it in. That's fine. At least they're getting something. It's good. Awesome. And there's so much I love in there. Like even what you were saying before about the have, like don't be afraid to offer something on their plate that you know that they, I say in inverted commas, hate because they learn to accept it with continual exposure. Just deciding that that food is off the menu, that is a recipe for fussy eating. Yes, 100%. I have an experience actually. So Kai, when we introduced solids, he was off anything orange. He refused the color orange. So anything pumpkin, sweet potato, carrot, nothing orange, would not touch it. And James, after about, I reckon maybe two months, James was like, why do you keep offering him that he is not going to eat it because I just you know we'd have say some roasted sweet potato and I just put some on his plate and he'd just throw it pretty much (laughs) and I said one day he might decide he wants to try it you know I was adamant I'm like you just have to keep exposing it to him I'm not going to put any pressure on him to eat it and I can tell you now that 18 months down the track, probably since he was one, so it took six months of putting it on there, and now he is fine. He will eat it, I would say, you know, maybe half of the time, 50% of the time that I offer it to him. He will eat it and enjoy it and want more. So I think it's so important that we continue to expose him to it and go, oh, no, sorry, he doesn't like that food. He doesn't like it because we are creating that and just try it in different forms, grated or in a smoothie or mashed or whatever, you know. That's amazing advice because that's definitely something to for any mum to be taking into going, how the heck do I avoid fussy eating? That would be the number one thing is don't feed into, oh, they don't like that, never to be served again. And vary the way that you're you're offering it. Love it. Yeah, whether it's in muffins. You know, that's always a good one, like savoury muffins. I find you can always hide stuff in that too. And they love anything cheese-flavoured normally. (laughs) Who doesn't? Cheese is the food of God. (laughs) If I had a dairy allergy, like, would it even be worth living? Probably not. (laughs) Okay, that was dramatic. (laughs) To finish up this awesome interview that we have had today, I wanted to ask you, whether there is one mindset shift that mums can have or to take to sort of take the ease off the world of their baby or toddler's diet, is there something that they can try and remember to take the pressure off what foods they should and shouldn't be having and all of those sorts of things? I would say celebrating just small wins, just being happy with a small win, not putting pressure on yourself because, you know, just by listening to this podcast right now, it shows you care. It shows that you're trying to, you know, do the best for your kid. It shows that you're trying to make them a priority. You're trying to find that time to nourish them. And I think that shows a lot about the child that you are trying to raise. And I think if we just focus on small wins, whether it's changing our white bread to wholemeal bread or whether it's white bread to a sourdough or flavoured yogurt to a natural yogurt. Celebrate the small wins, not feel like, well, my child is not eating their five servings of vegetables. That's okay. Just do whatever you can and that's enough. No, and I think that's wonderful. It's like the little things and and 
none of this is about, oh, my God, look at my pantry and it's got all the things that we've just heard about that shouldn't be in there. But that's okay because what you start to do is make some little changes based on what you know now and observing your child and seeing how they go with certain foods and all of those things. So I think that's a beautiful mindset shift. I hope that everyone has got as much out of this conversation as I have. I just love doing these because, like, I learn so much and then it also solidifies so many things that are sort of in my head and I think it's so important that we share this information. So I'm so grateful for you joining me on the podcast today, Beck. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the episode, Mama. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to share the episode with a friend, with your mother's group, or tag me at Jen Butler Early Parenting on Instagram. The more that know about this podcast, the more people I can help. If you're looking for support that is personalized for your babe and tailored to your family's needs, then make sure to head on over to my website, www.jenniferbutler.com.au and check out how we can work together so you can move through motherhood with confidence. Catch you in the next episode, mama.